Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are covering how to do due diligence on a new operator as a limited partner. How should investors decide if they should invest in a fund or not? How should a fund raise for deals that have not been determined what they are yet? And also when to say no to a potential investor? We are chatting with Dr. Joseph Ryan Smollers. He is the founder of Store. Here we go. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. You have so much experience and so many projects that you're working with. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. So first off, thank you for inviting me on your podcast. It's been a long time coming, so I'm glad we were able to connect and get this taken care of. So I'm Ryan. Um, most of the time I live in the uh, Virgin Islands in St. Thomas. During the day, I'm working on ear, nose, and throat problems and um, doing some investing stuff here and there. So we have several projects going on, one of which is uh, self-storage. So since about 2017, we've been acquiring facilities and uh, learning the ropes. And um, and now we've moved over into the realm of raising capital. So we have a series LLC fund for acquiring self-storage facilities. And um, our tar target audience is doctors, which would make a lot of sense. And so a uh, big premise of what we're trying to do is uh, teach doctors how to be a good limited partner and how to do due diligence on the project and understand what's going on. Because if you don't understand, especially in investing, when things aren't going as well as you would like, it's going to be hard not to get frustrated. And, and if you understand why it's happening and what is happening, in our opinion, you know, you just try to figure out how to write the ship and keep going. And, you know, I always tell people that our investors, they have full-time jobs and they don't live, breathe real estate. So we need to keep that in mind when talking about our deals. Um, so maybe you can start there. Like, what are some of the main topics that you typically want to pass to these investors? And then we'll jump into moving to from an investor's perspective later. How would they do some due diligence? Absolutely. So I think the basis of, of the whole interaction is trust, really. You're trying to build rapport with your investors from a sponsor point of view. But from an investor point of view, you really just want to make sure that you're a good fit. And, um, you know, you have like... Um, ways of thinking about things and uh, your risk tolerance fits into the, you know, the asset class and the investment strategy that you're trying to do. Because if you're in a fund that's very aggressive and you have a low risk tolerance, you, regardless of what happens, you're not going to be happy. And so those are the, the questions that I would start off with. You know, it always comes up, always, always when you're starting the due diligence as on a sponsor is the number one goal is to make sure you're not in a Ponzi scheme or some sort of fraudulent 
group. And so I think that there's a lot of good questions to ask to sort of drill down on that. And, you know, if you're not comfortable at the beginning, you're probably not going to be comfortable at the middle or the end as well. So um, I think having a system is very key because especially when you're first starting out, investing is very uh, anxiety provoking and you may forget some of the steps. It's, it's exciting, but it's also scary. And so if you have this systematized approach to it, then you shouldn't skip any steps as you go through the, you know, go through that process. Agree on, on you know, being scary and especially a first time sponsor, right? Uh, there were or still are, I think, some some Ponzi schemes going that are now coming to the surface because of the interest rates. So hopefully that will get cleaned up a bit. But, yeah. you know, during an up market, how would you recommend the doctors doing their best to find out who, who they are? Yeah. So we talk about this a lot and it's super interesting. Um, having made several pretty bad mistakes as a limited partner, um, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. When I approach a deal as a limited partner, what I'm actually trying to do is understand that sponsor in such a way that we can build a 30, 40 year relationship, right? It's not to me about the first deal um, in its entirety, because I'm willing to put in the time and effort and cost to get to a comfortable place, knowing that when these guys or girls have a deal and they send it to me, that I'm never going to have to go through this first step of due diligence again, right? So I'm comfortable that they are not trying to pull the wool over my eyes or trying to push one past me or whatever the case may be. And that's a gigantic step. I would personally say, and I know this is going to be shocking to your audience, um, but a lot of times what I'll do is I will hire a, a PI to go through and make sure that some of their previous deals have not been fraudulent. And it's not to to you know, uncover skeletons in the closet. I don't really care you know, if they've been divorced or whatever the case may be. What I want to know is their heart is in the right place, period, end of sentence. And if I can get there, if I have to spend some money to get there and I never have to do it again, then that makes me happy and comfortable. Great <laughs> idea to hire a PI uh, in the beginning, especially first relationship with this person. Any time that you ask for a referral and there's hesitation, that's bad. In this world, Scott Myers always says it's a full contact sport, right? And it really is. There, there is no doubt in my mind. Deals are not always going to go perfectly. It's not all sunshines and sunshine and rainbows. And I think that as investors, we get it. But what we don't get is lack of transparency and lack of communication. So if a deal is going south and the, there's not more communication, there's actually less, then that is horrible because the what the mind can't see is always going to go to a dark place, right? It's going to be the worst case scenario. And if you don't hear from your sponsor and maybe there's a capital call or something like that, that, that just kind of is sprung upon you, that is not going to be good for anyone. So you want to really know up front that 
um, the communication is going to happen and you're not ever going to going to be in a place where that is a problem. All of the experts, all of the people that are in it for the long term, they say that exact thing. If when it, things start to go bad, you better start communicating even more, uh, even more. so that if if there is a need for a cash call at some point is not going to be a surprise for the investors. Let's move into the topic of raising a fund. I don't know if we should talk about the investor side or the operator side. Do you call in all of that money right away to be in the operator's bank account in case something happens? That yeah, yeah. Most of the time, that capital sitting on the sidelines, right? So, as a rule, funds don't like holding your capital if they're not investing it because there's liability there, right? So the short answer is most of the time it sits in your bank account. Now, there may be various reasons to call that capital early. Um, maybe there's a cash deal where you know, you're trying to go up against another group or something like that. And it has to close in two days after the agreement's been made. So you would hold that capital. And maybe if you lost that on the deal, you would send the capital back. Um, but really, I think the point is the operating agreement is the Bible. And there's not really much um, legal that says you can't or you can or can't do something in an operating agreement because you are accepting those terms right? The terms should be up front. You should have a time where you can go through the, the, the terms with the attorneys and all the stuff. So in the SEC's mind and all the regulatory board's um, viewpoint on it is, if it's in there and you agree to it, then that's what the deal is. So, you know, if I had a fund and I knew that the, the economy was about to take a turn. Like, for example, in 2024, we all know that it, it'll be even better for buying deals, for finding deals. However, there is a lot of fear, right? That normal human beings uh, think that that time will never end and it'll be doom and gloom for a very long time. So they end up not putting the money, right? So from a fund perspective, I would personally prefer to have that cash available right now in case people get cold feet. Yep. So how would one go about that in your experience? Yeah. So it's it's just a whole nother philosophy. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And there are lots of sponsors out there that will do that. They'll they'll um you know get the capital, um, hold on to it. Um, it does add liability to to the fund, uh, certainly. Um, if you're going to do that, you would probably want to know how much E&O insurance they have, errors and emissions, all the, the things to safeguard. Um, is there the ability for one person to be able to extract all the cash and run? Um, or is there a safety mechanism where it takes two people to sign off on it? Um, there's lots of checks and balances systems out there that can be put in place. Um, for a reasonable cost. Now, you don't want to take up 20 to 30% of your capital that's put into the fund to have safeguards, but there's a happy balance there. But certainly, 
if the sponsor hasn't thought about that and what happens in those scenarios, and they very well should, um, but it's just personal preference, I think. I know lots of people who right now are triple raising, which means they're they're raising triple the amount of money that they need because they do know that this is a scary environment. And when it actually comes push to shove, there will be probably about a third of the, the two thirds of the people who are going to say, hey, you know what? I'm not putting my capital in. I'll, I'm willing to take the, you know, the penalty for whatever it is for not placing the capital. And so mm-hmm. it's a problem. Yeah, that makes sense. See, that's a yeah. great way to to solve that problem. And I know some people also raise a certain percentage. They make the investors put a certain percentage today and then the rest later. So just like you said. Yeah. So what would you do in this situation? I've experienced this myself. A new investor wanting to invest 50K, which is not a huge amount, uh, was asking 10 questions at first, which I gladly answered. And then there were 10 more questions, including uh, I would like to meet with everybody on the team. I would like to get the contracts from your subcontractors. And uh, that person was asking for actual documentation, which I also don't blame the person. Um, So from an operator's perspective, I had to say, I'm so sorry you know, this, I understand what you're saying. However, for the amount of the investment, we, we can't do, if we were to do that for everybody, we wouldn't be focusing on the deal. Uh, So we had to decline that, but it's not because we didn't want to provide it. Right. Um, So what would you do in that situation? Yeah. So I think that that is another uh, point for the, the operating agreement that should be there. Um, it should be very clear what's available and what's not. So you are um, able to to review the <clears throat> the operating agreement, the PPM, the subscription agreement, and maybe the pro forma, um, all the things that you need to do for the for the um, facility itself for the due diligence. But <clears throat> the subcontractor agreements are private and held within or whatever those documents are that are not investor facing. Because as a limited partner, there are investor facing agreements and internal agreements. And you it's not the point of being a, a, a limited partner to know all the secret sauce, right? I think it's more about declaring that in the beginning. So there are no questions about it. And that may make some people not be comfortable with that particular fund or syndication, whatever. And that's okay. You're not making decisions just for this one person and maybe this person. It's for everyone, right? The the the, the decisions that are made and that it's much easier to do up front um, while you're preparing the docs that everybody's being treated equal. And I think that that's sort of important. Yeah, that's a good point. The PPM is a legal and binding document. So everything uh, that that should be there to protect the investors should be in the PPM to begin with. So um, great reminder to have your attorney review the PPM itself and the operating agreement. Oh, this has been very helpful, Ryan. Is there anything else that you haven't 
covered that you think would be important for our audience to know? I would very much say that your due diligence um, is going to make you or break you in your in your investment journey and to take it very seriously and always go to the site, always meet the people in person, make sure that, I mean, if nothing else, that they exist, right? Um, and that there's not, not something nefarious going on. So I would say just take it very seriously. This has been wonderful, Ryan. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So if you want to find out a little bit more about what we're doing, it's storepartners.com, www.storepartners.com. Um, we are focused uh, on, a, on providing uh, education to doctors and medical personnel, but we are happy to talk with anybody out there who likes investing. We love it. We talk about it all day. So please come check us out. And you have a podcast specific for doctors. Is that correct? We do. It's called the Medicine and Money Show. Uh, it's my myself, Martin Teradena, and Chris Berg. We have sort of a a panel style uh, discussion. It happens on Fridays. We're going to start doing some live streams and getting the chat and let's really get in the weeds of some of these topics on being a limited partner. That's awesome. I love panels <laughs> and discussions. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And I would love to thank one of our latest reviewers, Multifamily University. Awesome. I enjoyed listening to this podcast. Great insights and entertaining. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate a review on our podcast because it helps us maintain a high ranking. And I will see you next time.